Hello, and welcome to a, a, a you know a special episode of uh, well small section I suppose of Dude and a Monkey at this point. I haven't decided whether to just put it in the normal show release. It's a separate thing. I'll probably release it separately. But uh, so basically, uh, because Mark and Becky aren't attending uh, London Film Festival, and I don't want to fucking like bore them with the uh, films that I'm looking forward to seeing there and whatnot, just because they don't really have any. Uh, they don't have a horse in that particular race, I suppose. Uh, I have uh, enlisted the kind services of uh, Brad Porter. Hello, Brad. Hello. So, um, uh, we're, we're both going to be attending LFF. Uh, Brad, a lot more than me, in all fairness. Um, but even though they're, 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 the LFF, for those who don't know, they do have an online viewing library uh, through which I saw a few things last year and the year before, I think. Uh, even though the year before, I remember it literally only worked with an extension of Microsoft Internet Explorer. So using a MacBook, I was fucked. Uh, but it's all good this year. So I don't know how long we're going to talk for. Um, in the, I, I, I've actually got a like a roast dinner cooking and a kid I need to look after as well. Uh, whereas Brad doesn't have responsibilities of those kinds. Well, he might be cooking a roast. I don't know. It's my turn to cook for my girlfriend tonight. So, you know, there's that. So, you know, fucking, I better get on with it then, eh? So, right, you're attending some screenings. Press and industry screenings start tomorrow as uh, we record and the viewing library goes live tomorrow. And uh, Wildlife was one that you were just talking to me about before we started recording. Uh, Paul uh, Dano, Dano, Dano? Paul Dano, isn't it? I don't know. I'd say Dano. Book of Dano. indeed. So this is his directorial debut uh, starring uh, Kerry Mulligan. And Jake Gyllenhaal. And Jake Gyllenhaal, indeed. And Bill uh, Camp, who is a wonderful mark of quality. Bill Camp would be in everything. Bill Camp is a wonderful mark of quality. I know. He's like Tracy Letts. When they pop up in something, you pay attention. Oh, I kind of like the same person. No. <laughs> Anyway, Bill Count's a little bit sweatier and slightly, whereas Tracy Letts is the guy you want to be your dad. Yeah, all right. Bill Count's the guy you want to be your creepy, your, your lecturer's uncle who comes along, makes you laugh, but then goes before he gets too drunk. Yeah, yeah, that's like me in 20 years. Yeah, yeah. Not, not lecturous, I don't think, but certainly you want him to go before he gets too drunk. Exactly, and sweats a bit too much. I, I've been working on that, Brad, I'll have you know. Um, well, no, I, w- I will say this, if anyone's listening. You might sweat a lot, but you don't stink. You're not a smelly sweater. You're just a sweater. Yeah, that'd be a... All right, that's, that's great. Um, so, Wildlife. Uh, it's it's your uh, your good lady friend's uh, most anticipated film of the, uh, of the uh, festival. But uh, how are you looking to, to it yourself? Are you... I, I think it'll be fine. I like Paul Dano. I like. I really like the cast. I think it'll be good. I just kind of feel it's probably going to be one of these things that's a little bit overpraised as a first feature just because people like Paul Dano. I think it's going to be a little bit sun dancey, a little bit Indian. It'll probably end inconclusively. <laughs> okay. I like that. Yeah. yeah. No. I, it, posted, you know. I think it'll be fine. Yeah, I, I'm... It'll be a nice way to start. I'm a little bit sad that they've started with Wildlife because they normally start with a really nice British film. 
Uh, like we had Beast last year and a date for Mad Mary the year before and so forth. 71 a couple of years ago. So, you know. It'll be nice, it'll be nice. And then, you know, Shadow is next week, which is Zhang Yimou. Sorry, that's tomorrow as well. So, I think it's going to be fine. I just think the program isn't their best one. Yeah, I mean, there's... I, 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 I've noticed a, um, a common thread on your on your Twitter feed of films that aren't playing LFF, even though a few were added last week. Yes, so we'll get to that. But I do think there's this feeling that, like, there's always things that aren't showing, but normally you can count the significant films that aren't showing on one hand. And one of them is usually the surprise film. Um, but this year, like, there's a lot. Like, if you were to do a lineup, a bunch of headliners that were just the films they omitted, it would probably be a more exciting festival than the one they've got. Yeah, I will I mean, say, though, adding those three films has made the festival a lot more attractive to me because they're three films that I w- was really kind of hoping to see. I mean, Sisters Brothers and, and, and not so much, and, and saying we're sorry to bother you because you know they're going to get a decent release, but Dragged Across Concrete is the kind of thing that could have very easily gone straight to VOD and still didn't have a date over here. And well, it, 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 it doesn't actually, it, it, sorry, just to say, it doesn't actually have distribution over here yet, does it not? No. And Brawl and no. Cell or in America yet either, I don't think. And Brawl and Cell Block 99 was easily my favourite experience at LFF last year because no one quite knew quite what they were in for. And, you know, coming right in the middle of the festival after a lot of heavier stuff, it was like, oh man, this is awesome. So I'm glad that one's there. I do think they're going to have a programming nightmare this year with the P&I screenings, though, because there's always an element of so many films going up against each other that you want to watch, and other days there's nothing on. But the other problem they normally have is long films overlapping the, second, the next slot, whereas another film is on, is on earlier because the first one's too long. And I would wager a guess from a completely uninformed, unknowledgeable way, from a quick glance at this program that, say, like 75% of the films are over two hours and 15 minutes long. Yeah. So many yeah. films, so long, and I do think it's going to stop a lot of people seeing a lot of films they want to see in those P&I screenings. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it's interesting. I mean, go, going back to the, the, the films that are missing and whatnot, I mean... Yeah. I... I'm kind of thinking maybe High Life turns up as the surprise film. I don't. They won't go with something that controversial or like that device I think anything that's going to be a pretty hard 18, like High Life would be, isn't the sort of thing that pops up as a surprise film. I mean, it's just it's weird though because the word out of um, was it was it Toronto it played at? Yes, Toronto. Yeah, but not not Venice. No. Yeah, it's I don't know. It, it, it's kind of stunning, really. That you know, okay, LFF doesn't really get a lot of world premieres or whatever, but you know, it, it's not a world premiere and yet it's still not playing. And I don't. I don't know what that's a sign of, considering it's Claire Denis, and considering <laughs> that there is an increased look at female directors. Uh, it just it, it, films not showing from Friends of the Festival, where they normally show their films. Um, and it's not like they're bad. Like I get it if the reviews were coming out of these films and they were bad, but what a lot of them have in common is that they are divisive or slightly you'll find a lot of them seem to have like a very high violence 
or sexual quotient or something that could be controversial. And then also, without wanting to step in too hot waters, when you look at a lot of the films that are um, not shown, like you look at them all line, line you know, next to, so next to each other, you start to think, well, there's a very a lot of these are very much films about men doing very masculine things. Um, and you, you, know, you look at the lineup, and then you see the films that are shown, and they all have a lot of things in common. I mean, I think there's about three or four films about women who fall in love with immigrants while crossing a border somewhere. And there's about five films about people coming home to see their dying parents. That sounds boring. In, in terms of the, the, the big stuff, I suppose, then, um, I mean, I'll, I'll say that the, the, the only film that I bought a ticket for uh, is Suspiria, which um, I'm concerned about. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, I will say, like, when you look at the, you sit there and think there's two, I think, very high profile films directed by female directors that aren't in the lineup. When you look at them, the both, what both of them have in common is that they are both violent and, and sexually explicit, which is High Life, which does baffle me because it's Claire Denis, and The Nightingale from Jennifer Kent, which won, yes. won two awards at Venice and is the follow-up from a highly like, anticipated female director, but it's a film about rape revenge in the Aboriginal culture in Australia. And it sounds like they just don't want to piss people off. I don't know. It's just it's interesting because LFF doesn't, if we're being honest, it doesn't really have the kind of the cachet of a lot of other um, film festivals. So for them to be trying to play it safe and whatnot, it kind of feels weird because it, it, with the best, it, with, with the best possible way, it feels like not a lot of people are really paying attention. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, this is the first year from a new programming team and a new art, artistic director, Trisha Tuttle, who's always been on the board, and I would think she's quite brilliant. But I do think when you look at this one and see how it's very different from other years, it does very much feel like, I'm not clever enough to pass it, but it does feel like there's a statement trying to be made with this lineup. Uh, what, try, trying to be essentially more inclusive and tr- maybe trying to get people who aren't as heavily into films to watch yeah. these films and know that they're going to get set, like somewhat it's, safer choices. Exactly. And there's also, yeah, I think okay. it's a combination of safer choices, which I think is worrying, but also what's admirable is like we're saying, we could show all these films that you're all going to go and see anyway when they come out, or we could put these films in that you're not going to see. But when that's, you know, which is admirable, but when you start looking at it, you realise that life itself has a headline gala slot when it's apparently a fucking dumpster fire. And you sit there and think these programming teams do watch the films, and you could argue, oh yeah, but it's a good cast with red carpet, it'll be good press. It's like, well, what about something, you know, Vox Lux or um, Boy Erased or High Life or uh, what else is there? At Eternity's Gate or um, you know, uh, what's the other one I'm thinking of? The, even the one, the, the Xavier Dolan one, has not great reviews, but it's better than Life Itself. You know, if you want good films, I have a design to John F. Donovan, is yeah. that what it's called? Yeah, for those mid-90s, Jonah Hill directing, or Everybody Knows, with, you know, an Asghar Fahadi film with Penelope Cruz and, and Javier Bardem, you know? 
there are other things. You see the thing about life itself, a Sky Cinema distributed ensemble film from the guy who writes Light of Dust that's got 9% on Rotten Tomatoes. So why is that a gala slot at the London Film Festival? Yeah. Is it is it one of their like um, thematic galas or is it just a gala? No, it's just uh, I'm just going. I've got the program in front of me. Hold on, it's just uh, the Royal Bank of Canada gala. Canadian, is it? Uh, yeah, it's, it's just and you know when you sit there and think that's showing, but they're not showing Vox Lux, which is a real big omission. And I also think will probably be too controversial to be a surprise film, but it, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past them. Uh, Box Lux has kind of come out of nowhere, in all fairness, though, which it probably shouldn't have. But it, 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 I mean, I've been looking forward because I like Childhood of a Leader, and when they announced it originally, well, no, really I, know, I, I know it probably didn't to you. All I'm saying is, but I know it probably didn't to you because of Childhood of a Leader and whatnot, but it just uh, it does feel like a film that until a few weeks back didn't really have a lot of heat, you know. I mean, like, fuck, Neon picked it up and it said, actually, yeah, we are going to release it. Yeah, but is it might not to a lot of people, but to a program at a film festival, it shouldn't have been a surprise. Well, that, that's completely a fair comment. But then, it's a fair point. And Jude Law, you've got the British connection as well. And like you say, Childhood of a Leader. Childhood of a Leader, weird treadmill watch for me, by the way, I would say. interesting film. Parts of it really didn't work, but I can't deny that it didn't stick with me. Like, I'm surprised that they're not showing the other side of the wind, but they're showing the accompanying Netflix documentary on Orson Welles. I didn't notice that. That's fucked. And there's part of me, therefore, that worries that that means the other side of the wind is going to be the surprise film. I really don't want the surprise film to be something that's going to be on Netflix in three weeks. Yeah, quite, quite. I mean, they're not showing Shoplifters, which is the Palm Door winner from, um, what's his name? How? Coriada. And they always show his stuff. Like, why are they not showing that? So, all right, let's, let's, uh, let's not talk about the stuff that's not showing, even though I think it's a complete, it is a very much a valid conversation, but. Hold on, uh, in two more minutes, we'll get to it, we won't mention it again, but I think what upsets me is, Film festivals are where you're supposed to see films that provoke debate, good or bad. People might hate them. That's what those audiences are for. Films that you might not get that if you just go watch it with five people in a a curtain on a Thursday afternoon. And for reasons like that, I think it's a shame that they're not showing, say, The House That Jack Built. Like a large one Trier film is a thing that festivals are designed to show. To spark debate, and and the same thing with you know, the Nightingale, and the same thing with Under the Silver Lake, which obviously had people going, oh, too male gazy. But I'd like to be able to make that decision for myself, especially in a festival environment. I mean, that's a film that comes out on Blu-ray in France in November, and still doesn't have a release date over here. It's David Robert Mitchell with Andrew Garfield, and they're not showing. German, Germany's submission for the foreign language film Never Look Away from the director of The Lives of Others or Transit by Christian Petzold about a Holocaust film but set in the present day as if the Holocaust happened in the present day which sounds amazing and Phoenix is one of the best films of the 2014 London Film Festival they're not showing a Julian Schnabel film with Willem Dafoe I was just speaking about that I, yeah, yeah. they're Sorry. not showing Gwen which is my friend's directorial debut that premiered at Toronto BFI back really buzzy gothic British horror thing it's like that's what the London Film Festival should be supporting you know real 
buzzing British cinema. They're not showing We the Animals, which is the kind of film that will never have much of a life outside of film festivals, but I'm dying to see. And they're not showing... Um, Oh, there was one other. Uh, there was one more that I was really. Like I said, um, obviously mid nineties, and they're not showing. I, I'm always up for uh, Neil Jordan. They're not showing his. They're not showing Gloria from Sebastian Lelio, his remake of his own film, which got beautiful reviews out of Toronto. The guy that did um, Fantastic Woman and Her Smell, which is one of the best scripts I've read, and is getting great reviews out of Toronto and New York with Elizabeth Moss from. Oh, Alex Ross Perry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. And, that's a phenomenal script, and I'm so glad the reviews are good. And that cast is great. Elizabeth Moss, Dan Stevens, Agnes Dean, Cara Delevingne, um, loads of up-and-coming, Amber Benson, Dylan Galula, you've got Virginia Madsen, Eric Stoltz, the girl from Glow, I can't remember her name, who plays the She-Wolf. It's great. Um, you know, so it's just slightly disappointing, because there's lots of films there that feel like they should be. But I'll be quiet about all that now. Well, you've deflated me nicely, so uh, well done, sir. No, no, but you're right, though. It is weird that there's so many films that we know are out there. And it just, like, the, the sheer fucking number that you, you said there, and the fact that it is, like, every single one, like, literally, I was ticking them off, every single one just feels like, yeah, that that should be playing, that should be playing, that should be playing, that should be playing. It, it's very odd. It's very odd. Um, and instead, like they're showing, as we've already pointed out, life itself. They're showing um, Outlaw King with its 41% Rotten Tomato score that comes out on Netflix in a few weeks, and and so forth. It's like it's like they saw these films, so they know what they're programming. That just feels like a starry red carpet. And to be fair, I mean, like it's the dude that directed Hell or High Water. You know, he's 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 got some fuck. He's got some heat. I was really excited for it, but you know, what your for me, I put an implicit trust in a program that they see these films and deem them of the quality to be in this festival. And the fact that they're showing things like this and Life Itself, having seen them, although to be fair. If Life Itself has a P&I screen and it's not programmed to get anything else, I am going, because to watch something that awful with a press and industry audience could be amazing. So, yes, yeah, so I'm just going through the program. I was going to so like go through it in terms of things. So you've got Widows, which I can't wait for. I mean, I think Widows is going to be this year's Killing Them Softly, the kind of film that audiences just reject for being too intelligent that everyone else kind of loves. If it's got anything as good as fuck you pay me in it, then, um, you know, just that, that fuck it, that MC. And I need to watch Gilliam Softly again. Um, yeah, no, I mean, you've got Widows, you've got your favourite scripts ever written, the favourite. Um, you've got Stan and Ollie, which is the perfect kind of thing that the London Film Festival should be premiering, you know. And also, it's written by my friend Jeff Pope, so I'm biased anyway. I really liked Filth, the director's last film, I'm sure you did as well. Even though Stan and Ollie couldn't feel more different from Phil, I'm still really intrigued. It's just the fact that we're, knowing that it's from the director of Phil gives it gives you some hope that there's going to be a bit more spice to it than it, it, certainly the trailer makes it seem like. It's a passion project for him and Jeff. I mean, Jeff was had drafts of Stan and Ollie going around when we were making Philomena, and that was six years ago now. Oh, of course. And you know that yeah. guy attached to it since before Phil, and he hadn't directed anything else because he'd been trying to get this one done. 
And then, yes, the favourite is the best script I've ever read. And what's uh, reassuring is watching the trailers for it and seeing that all the kind of spiky lines that could have been cut are still in there and the moments that I remember so vividly are in there makes me really confident that the film is... Plus, it's one of the rare films that's playing Toronto, uh, sorry, Telluride, Venice, New York, and London. That's real confidence in a film. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't remember what the fucking screening schedule is, but I'm fucking praying there's some way there's a P&I screening of that that <laughs> I'm around for. It'll be the morning of Thursday the 18th. Ah, all gala, all gala, headline galas have their premiere the morning you're of. Right. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right, you're right. Shit. And then, um, but, you know, I do, and I, I really hope Olivia Coleman gets an Oscar just because she's Olivia Coleman, she's a nice person in the world, but if they put her in supporting, she's probably going to be going up against Amy Adams in that Dick Cheney thing, who will be, like, on her sixth nomination. Yeah. yeah. Like, whatever. Anyway, the favourite, then we've got The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Oh, yeah, even though we're going to be able to see that on Netflix in December? No, November. 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 And it's the kind of thing that I might also, because being in London, it will be on cinemas in London. So if there, if it does clash with something else, I will skip it. I really couldn't give seven fucks about Beautiful Boy. And Boy Erased isn't playing at all. Isn't playing, and that hasn't got great reviews either. But Beautiful Boy, and sort of like, did you ever see the Broken Circle breakdown? Uh, no, no, never got to it. If you ever want to be completely and utterly destroyed by a film that is absolutely brilliant, you should watch the Broken Circle breakdown. Like, it's phenomenal, but I will never watch it again. Uh, okay, that's like The Hunt for me. Well, this is worth This will destroy you more than The Hunt. But. I um, but it's beautiful. It's stunning. It's like it's it's a masterpiece. So I was kind of excited that director. So I looked at the trailers and then I read the reviews of this one, and I'm sort of like, I'm sure the performances are good, but I just can't be bothered. I have problems with films about drug abuse and drug addiction. Anyway, I always feel that no matter how much they try and show you how horrible the effects of drugs are, they also go some way towards glamorising it, and it just pisses me off. And I just don't think it should be allowed. I'm I'm, I'm getting. I'm getting Beautiful Boy, Boy Erased, and Ben is Back very conflated in my mind. Ben is Back is the one I want to see the most, because I don't think Peter Hedges has made a bad film. Is that the one with Julia Roberts in it as well? Yeah, and yeah, Down in Real Life, Pieces of April, Odd Life of Timothy Green, I kind of love them all. I think the guy's a good director. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I know. It's just, it, it's... Like Boy Erased, I'm interested in because of Joel Edgerton, um, but that's kind of about it. Um, yeah. So beautiful boy, I'm like, I'm sure it's going. To, and all the Timothy Chalamet idiot fans are going to say it's the best film ever, regardless. So there's that. But I, I don't know. Just like no, I would. You know how like if you want to put smoke in a film, you have to go through a permit, and you can't get that permit unless you can prove that showing smoking on screen is unavoidable. Yeah, I feel like I'm not. This would get it for drugs because obviously people like drug addiction. But I do think more. I do think they should introduce that with drug use in films. I mean, weed is fine, but heroin, cocaine, anything else, you shouldn't be able to show that in a film unless you can prove the film wouldn't work without it. Yeah. Considering smoking is legal, yeah, it's illegal to show it unless you've got the permit. Why is sort of mixes which are illegal allowed to show unless they have narrative function? 
isn't that because like secondhand smoke um, because it can actually have a detrimental effect to those around whereas that's the argument they use the smoking ban as their argument but it's also because the same way as you aren't allowed to advertise cigarettes anymore they've said that putting cigarette smoking in a film is a form of advertisement for cigarettes feels like a very 30, 40 years ago approach to how much cinema can actually affect a fucking young mind. But, Maybe, but I don't have a problem with it because smoking's fucking stupid. And to me, yeah, so... I mean, yes, it is. But I, I, I don't know. Anyway, I don't think yeah. many... I, anyway, yeah. Fuck it's a Patrick Melrose and was like, I don't need to see this shit. There's things out there that don't have people shooting heroin every five minutes. Um, okay, Can You Ever Forgive Me? I think looks fantastic, and I've heard it's fantastic, and I'm all up for any role that might get Richard E. Grant an Oscar nomination. Uh, yes. Especially as he's playing an alcoholic, act, failed actor. Like, it feels like it's Wignall grown up. Um, and then Colette, which again is right up, is my kind of crack. Period dramas of Kira Knightley might be one of my favourite things in the world. I think it's a really interesting story. It's going to be interesting watching that and The Wife in close proximity, which are very, very similar stories. Is The Wife playing on the No, no, The Wife just comes out on Friday. Oh, wait, does it really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, big, right, big chance. Okay, so she's probably not going to play around here then. Great. Oh, yeah, uh, I don't know, I can't wait. And Colette, like, I like Dominic West. I love Kira Knightley. I watched Westmoreland, I didn't care much for Still Alice, but I like their other work. And it just, it's my kind of film. The front runner. When are people going to stop giving Jason Reitman money to make films that lose money? Uh, uh, Alright, let's not. There's there's a can of worms right there that I'm not going to open because we don't have the time. Well, the only film of Jason Whiteman's, I mean, I am biased, the only film of Jason Whiteman's that I've ever enjoyed is probably his least successful, which was Labor Day. Um, but, you know, he keeps making, the, and there's no way the front runner's going to make money. You know, it's been released five days before um, Fantastic Beasts 2. What was the budget on it, though? There's no way it was less than 30 million. I was going to say, if it was like 20 million or something like that, it'd probably be alright. Anyway, we won't get into it, but it just, it just sits there and things like after Men, Women and Children, Tully, and then The Front Runner, and obviously Labor Day before that, they're all films that have underperformed. It does, it, I will say with Jason Reitman, regardless of the quality of his films, the box office performance of his last few does make it kind of weird to me that he's still able to actually make the amount of films that he seems to be able to make, which seems to be his films. Like, the fact he hasn't had to acquiesce at all. Yeah, you know what? It's nepotism. He's Hollywood royalty, but he's also a very milk-toast, middle-of-the-road director who doesn't seem to have any balls. They're all very weak, and they, don't, they pull their punches far too much. I don't know, man. Those last 15 minutes of Tully, those are some fucking balls. Yeah, yeah, it was some balls that pretty much said, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Your, your, woman, your, your woman's going to be fine, but as a man who just sits there playing video games the whole time, you, you'll be okay dealing with her, don't worry. I really hated that film. Um, we've been through Life Itself, we've been through Outlaw King. Um, every time I look at that picture of Rosamund Pike in a private war, I just laugh. With that eye patch, I just can't take her seriously. The man who killed Don Quixote is the laugh gala, and that just kind yeah. of feels like, right, okay, well, it's just going to be problematic Terry Gilliam stuff. 
it also just feels like, did you guys see any other films for The Laugh Girl? I mean, Laugh in general is a pretty weak strand this year, which upsets me because I like The Laugh Strand. But, you know, if I was there, I'd be saying, you know what, we got sorry to bother you now, let's bump Mario and kill John Quixote and make that the Laugh Gala. Yeah, I fucking wonder whether, yeah, <laughs> yeah, what would have happened in the alternate universe with that one, yeah. It's not just that it's Kerry Gillan problematic, the reviews were awful. Uh, yeah, that's the thing, there's like absolutely no heat to it, at, like, whatsoever. You're going to have Terry Gilliam up there, which it kind of feels like people don't generally like him at the moment. It's going to be like, right, OK, so it's just going to be Adam Driver then. That's... They, would, they would get a better response if they just programmed a repertory screen of Lost in La Mancha. With, a, with, a, with an extra 30 minutes at the end about what's happened since. Uh, Suspiria, we've been through, and I mean, I'm... I'm, I'm Again, I will skip it if something else... And I have a feeling that Suspiria P&I screening will clash with the Drag Across Concrete P&I screening. What Because of when they're on and how these things tend to work and long... I just have a feeling, and I will... Suspiria comes out in November, you know? And Movie Go will definitely make it their film for movie people that week. Yeah, I, uh, I fucking wish Movie Go was... I, I wish I like kind of knew that information and the reviews before I got my ticket for Suspiria, but I got my ticket. I'm gonna see it. Yeah, but I will say, you could sell that ticket in five seconds, and if there's something else you wanted to go and see that night, you could. I don't think there is though. No, that's fine. Uh, Wild Rose is my most anticipated film of the festival. Please, yeah. Because Tom Harper is a genius. And it's a film about music, so and Jesse Buckley's brilliant. So you put those three things together, and I'm just so pumped. Well, sea beast. When are you going? You're going to Suspiria on Monday the 16th, right? Tuesday the 16th. Tuesday, Tuesday 16th. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. There's not really much else on that evening. I mean, I am. Um, yeah, no, you probably made the right decision. Uh, Assassination Nation. I think it's going to be fascinating. That's the kind of film I want to see at a festival. With that audience. Yeah. Order, yeah. I'm really fascinated by. I'm trying to go into it knowing as little as possible, but it's that, you know, it's one based on a book from the guy that that wrote um, Let the Right One In. Oh, shit, okay. I did not, that's new information. All right, that's interesting. It's something to do with deformed people, maybe troll, who are working as border patrol people who are actually kind of like trolls or something falling in love. Apparently, it's very strange. Um, Norway selected that for their best foreign language submission? Is it Sweden? Oh, Sweden, sorry. Forgive me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm totally up for that, and that's on a Friday. Burning is my second most anticipated film of the festival, because ever since I read about it at Cannes, I've been like, I am dying to see that film. Um, Burning, but it's another one that's two hours and 28 minutes long. Yeah, it's... um... Okay, so about the length, I, 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 I didn't, like, you were talking about how many of them are over two and a quarter hours, and it's just like, I'm thinking about it, looking through the run times and whatnot, and it's like, yeah, you are absolutely right. Yeah, um, I'm just going to rattle through. Capernaum, I, I mean, I'm sure it'll be great, but it looks like it's going to bore the tits off me. If Beale Street Talk is the kind of film that you want to see before everyone overhypes it into oblivion. Uh, Roma, I already kind of feel, is going to be the film. There's one every year, like Dunkirk last year, like actually, I want to do Gravity a couple of years ago, where I feel I'm shouting into the void going, it's impeccably made, but I don't feel anything. 
Um, which is what I think I'm going to get out of Roma. But, you know, looking forward to seeing it on big screen. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's just like there's the push-pull of that, of wanting to see it on a big screen, but just thinking, like, I can just watch it on Netflix in December. They'll have it on in 4K. It's going to look just, really nice. Just the thing is the Dolby Atmos of it as well. I want to see it, like, in, in, the, in, in that, just because just so I can say, if I don't like it, I can say I saw it with the best possible circumstances. No, I mean that, that, that's that's going to be that's going to be the key thing, though, isn't it? Um, in terms of films, I'm really looking forward to Been So Long, this Camden musical with Michaela Cole and Arinze Kenne. Like, I think that could be a bit of a breakout. So, if people want to go see a really interesting British film, go see Been So Long. Uh, Hate You Give will get a big release at the end of October anyway. Peterloo looks like it's going to be the first Mike Lee film that bores me to sleep. Yeah, I just I'm, I I have nothing for Peterloo, which I it feels really bad, but it just it's I don't know I don't I don't need it. <laughs> yeah, I mean I can't wait out of blue because I think the falling is brilliant, even though thirty odd people walked out of the festival all those years ago, and the reviews for Out of Blue are saying it's a masterpiece or a fucking dumpster fire, which makes me want to see it more. Uh, I think Harold Morley's a genius. Little Drummer Girl is going to be beautiful. It's part of Channel Whoop, but it'll be on TV two weeks later in the UK. Rafiki, that Kenyan one, that's just only now just finally being allowed to be screened for a week in Kenya about the two lesbian girls in Kenya that's banned. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Sort of thing you want to see at a festival. Birds of Passage. I don't get Peter Strickland and Ben Wheatley's overrated. Destroyer, I think, is going to be underwhelming. Sunset. The Wheatley's playing on BBC over Christmas as well. Tells you everything you need to know. Old Man and the Gun is exactly the kind of thing I want to see at the festival, like Lucky last year, like a 90-minute film about old people being sweet. Um, yeah. Fuck, man, it's fucking David Lowry. I'm exactly. all over it. All yes. over it. Sunset sounds like the guy that made Son of Saul just disappeared off his own anal cavity. Um, Ray and Liz, I want to see. Holiday sounds like it's going to be rough going. Um, this one that has a very graphic rape scene, but people are still saying it's brilliant. But I guarantee you, if that film was made by a man, no one would be recommending it, even if it's exactly the same. Uh, Dead Pig sounds brilliant. Yeah, there's loads. I mean, there's loads. I'm just trying to think if there's one other thing that's maybe not in the in the big lineup that I would say, oh, here's something I think you should look out for. Do you have anything like that? Uh, you know, I think you mentioned Change for Life earlier on, but that sounds really fucking interesting. Um, Actually, we, uh, we you mentioned, uh, I mentioned before we started recording when the, when the screening stop, screaming stops, the Bros documentary, which I know, uh, Ben, formerly of Mondo Movie, saw at, um, Fantastic Fest this weekend and was very, very pleased with it, said it's going to be one of the great rock docs in future years. So, yeah, yeah. why the fuck not? Have you, I've seen Support the Girls. That's brilliant. If anyone wants to go see Support the Girls, they really should. The Andrew Wachowski um, film. Yeah, Regina King's getting some good word for that, isn't she? Yeah. Fucking fair play. Benjamin, Simon Amstel's new film I'm hearing good things about. And there's one, I'm trying to find, there's one that I'm really, really pumped for. I mean, obviously I'm up, I'm up for anything, going mad and I'm really, if I can find the time, which I probably won't, to watch that eight-hour film, The Floor, from um, Argentina, that sounds amazing. But it's eight hours, so God, doubt that's going to happen. I was really hoping that was going to be on the viewing library, actually. It kind of feels like the perfect thing that it should be. 
Yeah, Thunder Road. That's the one. Have you heard about this? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Who's basically been an amazing inspirational force all over on Twitter. His debut film that won South by Southwest's Best Picture Prize, whatever it's called. I'm really, really pumped for that. And uh, I'm, yeah, I just like that's the kind of shit I want to see. There's also, obviously, Mandy's going to be great, but it comes out soon. And Lords of Chaos will be great. Ash is purest white because I think what's his name, um, Zhang Ke, is just phenomenal. So yeah, there's lots of stuff in here to look forward to. Long day's journey into night for this 50-minute 3D tracking shot. Um, but yeah, it's definitely the least excited I've been going into it, which sometimes is a recipe for success because there's lots of room for me to be surprised. No, I mean that's the thing, man. You know, if you can experiment and watching watching stuff that you otherwise may not have watched, then you might well come out of it going, "Oh shit, actually that was great." You know, yeah, so who's to say? Often, some of the best films I've seen at the festival have been the things that I didn't know, like Zero Motivation in 2014, which never got distribution over here. This Iranian, sorry, Israeli comedy about three women in the um, Israeli Defense Force, which is just amazing and funny, and could have been such a mainstream hit or crossover hit but they never even got distribution for it. So I'm glad I saw that at the festival. So, you know. Nice. We'll see. Uh, anyway. You've yeah, got to go. I, I, yeah, unfortunately, I've got a, I've got a boogie. But uh, that, that, that was a good catch-up. Um, hopefully, at some point during the limited time that I'm actually there, we can uh, hook up again and chat through some shit you've actually seen. And, yeah. uh, I'm hoping, because you're, you're, so you're down... On the thing you go, you're gonna watch a few films. And what time are you leaving on the on the Wednesday? On the, on the Wednesday at like seven ish or something like that. So oh, um, you'll have an hour and a half or so before you have yeah, to yeah, no, So yeah, maybe we'll fight. Exactly that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that's that's the uh, that's the hope. Slightly off topic. Are you gonna get a chance to see climax where you are? Not playing anywhere. Fucking uh, Bristol's the nearest, and God knows I can't fucking. Mosey on over to Bristol whenever the fuck I want these days. So um, I end up coming. I think it's the kind of film that might actually expand a little bit. I think it's going to do quite well. It was. I'll, I won't say anything. If you see it, let me know. Yeah, I mean, if um, it, it, it might play chapter here, so um, you know who, who's to say. But I, I would like to actually go and see that in a cinema. Oh, Thin like love, but uh, no way he's a fucking. He's a voice. So this yeah. Is, this is his best film, as far as I'm concerned. Like. Yeah, that's actually pretty high praise. Um, anyway. Cool. Okay. Take Good care. stuff. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you very much, Brad. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Bye.